Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Thursday afternoon. Sun's out across the Magnolia State. Great to be with you on the 19th of January in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. It is great to be with you as always. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please join us on the ceasefire text line 601 879 Four three nine five again six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet. You don't know what gigabit fiber internet is? It's blazing fast internet, smoking fast, faster than Brian Haydad saying yes to. Do you want to play a round of FIFA on the old video game machine? Faster than that. That's a stupid example, but just kind of working off the top of my yeah. head. Anyway, really bad. gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, and that is right here in C Spire country. You can learn more online at uh, cspire.com slash business. Good Thursday afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Glad to hear it. Great. Thanks, everybody. Good good, good to play the game. You didn't even give Haydad time oh. to answer. Yeah, well, you know. He's a little slow on the draw I'm, there. I'm fine, thank you. Good man, glad to see you today. I'm I'm glad to be seen. Every day above ground's a good one. Indeed, it is Mac Engel from the Fort Worth Star Telegram, who we talked with before the national championship game about TCU. He's a columnist and so kind of covers all things DFW sports. We'll talk some Dallas Cowboys with him. Talk a little bit about Dak Prescott and this game coming up. Uh, this week against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And also, Michael Borky, super fired up that Kendall Rogers is going to join us to start the 5 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll get into some college baseball with Kendall Rogers. We're really just going to ask him, uh, how dare you? Is is really going to be... You may just get out of the way and let you start the interview. No, I mean, I would like I would like for Brian Haydad to say, hey, Kendall, first of all, how dare you? Just like Kelly in the office says it. Or what did she say? Number one, how dare you? Yeah, number one, how dare yeah. you? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't have a huge issue with, with Kendall and what his uh, 
His guys have done. Oh, that, but totally the people do. You. Some of the people do. Got to be Some. the voice for the people. So they say. Hmm. So yesterday, Michael Warkey on our well put together rundown document had portal drama. And today he leads with portal drama times two. It became official this morning. All this in, uh, what, for the second consecutive day or the second time in three days, uh, inked a quarterback via the transfer portal. Some people need to learn to stop questioning us, by the way. When, when we tell you that there, there's a chance something happens and you say, there's no chance that it happens, maybe there's a reason we're saying there's a chance that it happens. Like, do you, you think we pulled that out of, I remember those messages Oh, there's no way that they're getting Spencer Sanders. Why would he do that? I'm telling you, there's a way. No, there's there, there's a way. Pete Golding's never leaving Alabama. <laughs> I mean, maybe sometimes we say I mean, things because we know things. Hey, just putting that out there. We're, we're, we're hanging on the edge. We're hanging on the edge. If we tell you it's Easter, you better go dye your eggs. Hey, Dad's got to think about that one just for a second. He's like, uh, oh. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what we do. Easter, we d- you better go buy, uh, dye your eggs. That's what we do. We drink and we know things. Exactly. Tyrion Lannister. Richard doesn't get it. It's fine. Uh, uh, you got it. That's all I needed I mean, on that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, you, he doesn't even do this for me anymore. It's entertain <laughs> himself and you. He knows I'm not going to get whatever it is you're talking about <laughs> most of the time. And then he's just pleasantly surprised when I do. Yeah, exactly. You, would, okay you wouldn't thing. like Game of Thrones. You, you wouldn't. Uh, we other get, we also get a message. Y'all said Bobo was going to state too. No, we didn't. We, we, I think what we said was that was a really bad idea if it happened. I think uh, I think that's pretty clearly what was said. So, what does this mean, Spencer Sanders? Four-year starter at Oklahoma State, 85 career touchdowns. What has he got, 45 career starts, something like that? 42. Okay, 42 career starts. That, that would fall into the something like that category. Mm-hmm. Um, probably thrown a few more interceptions than you'd like to see. 49 turnovers in those 42 games. Yeah, that, that's too many. That, that That's too many for a quarterback. But there's some good there. Um, so you get Walker Howard, a former five-star who has sat and redshirted and has four years of eligibility, and you sign Spencer Sanders. And Borky, I mean, I'll just give you credit. You've been asking the, the question, why, why? Like, I certainly get it from Ole Miss's perspective. I don't get it from Spencer Sanders' perspective. And so it feels like you got to ask the question, why, why did this happen? Yeah. What what are we not seeing? What If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck? I mean, is there something here with with Jackson Dart? Possibly. Uh, I mean, it, so a lot of things can be true or or because we don't know what's going on in Lane Kiffin's head, right? We have no idea what he thinks or why. Uh, for whatever it's worth, I've had some people tell me that Dart was blindsided by this. He was not. Knew this was coming. Was well aware of this happening. Chose not to hit the portal. The portal's closed now. He's going to participate in spring, obviously. Um, 
can't all of this be true or possible anyway, plausible? I have a feeling, and also I, I talked to somebody earlier that would know, Spencer Sanders' options weren't as vast as people wanted to think that they were. He possibly hit the portal expecting to have 20 people just begging and pleading for him to come, and that didn't really happen. Can't it also be true that they like what they have in Jackson Dart? But the thing is, he wasn't perfect. He was good. I think he's got an incredibly high upside. His ceiling is is the roof, as Michael Jordan once said with a microphone. He's got a really high ceiling. But what happens if he doesn't take a step forward? You know what I mean? So if you only have two quarterbacks and you're wondering, you know, we like him, but if he is that exact player next year, and roll your eyes if if you want, you're not competing with Alabama. You're not competing with Georgia. You're not competing with LSU. And that's what they think that they are capable of doing. And you can call that a fool's errand if you want, but they're not going to Tuscaloosa and competing with last year's Jackson Dart. So what? maybe it's as simple as, we like him, think he's good, think he can improve. We don't know if he will. And so there's this kid out here that can come in and compete with him and push him. And so why not sign him? Yeah. So so what was Jackson Dart's sin last year? Not being Matt Corral? I mean, he had well. If that's his sin, I mean, that's not really fair to Jackson Dart. That wasn't. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I, I, I'm asking. Because... Untimely turnovers. Um, apparently, decision making was, was an issue there. Often, I mean, we, we saw it at, at multiple this places. Guy make it his first year as a starter. I, I, again, from the Pac-12 I, to the SEC. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be growing pains. Of course. I've never said that there wasn't. But it's fair to ask what happens if he doesn't improve. Quarterbacks have often not improved. Sometimes they are the same guy every year. Well, and, it, and so that would be the question that's being asked internally at Ole Miss, right, about Jackson Dart. Is he was, – was this year one of – Two or three years with him as a starter where he's going to make incremental improvement. You're going to look up and you're like, holy cow. Because you you saw that with Matt Corral. You've seen that with other quarterbacks. I mean, Will Rogers was better. Well, he was better in year two than year one, but maybe took a step back in year three. He was the same guy, basically. What did he get better at? Yeah, honestly, look at Spencer Sanders. What does he but, get better at? But, but but in fairness to Will Rogers, in in the offense that he was running, it's not a, like like once you kind of hit a certain threshold, it's just about replicating what you did. It's not necessarily about getting better and better. And and so, but but Will Rogers took a little bit of a step back, even from a numbers standpoint this year. No, from, there's from no where no question about that. Yeah. In yardage, for sure, he threw about the same number of touchdowns. But so yeah, I mean. If you believe Jackson Dart today is what Jackson Dart will be in two years, then you're having a really serious conversation about what's break. And that explains why you get Howard. And what Walker Howard brings to the table long term. Right. That's why you go get Howard. I get that. But if you, I mean, Dart was better than Sanders last year. In the SEC versus the Big Twelve, which would make the this idea is a, that this to me this to me is a 
huge vote of no confidence for Jackson Dart. That's how I see this. We'll press pause on this conversation. We're going to talk some Cowboys and Dak with Mac Eagle coming up next, and then we will return to... Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Bureau guest line. That's where we're headed right now. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Two times in three weeks. How lucky are we? Mac Engel, columnist at the Fort Worth Star Telegram on your radio right now. Mac, what's up, my man? Uh, you tell me. I'm getting ready to go to San Francisco, where all the crazy Republicans are, to watch a little <laughs> NFC divisional round football to see the Dallas Cowboys break their fan bases' hearts once again. That's what I'm getting ready to do. Where all the Republicans are, he said. It's like if we were in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we'd say, wait, stop, <laughs> strike that, flip it, turn it around. Um, so the last trip you made to California didn't go so well for a team from the Metroplex, hoping for a better result this time. But, 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 but. but uh, before, we, before we turn to this weekend, I'd like to look back to Monday night. And in summary on Monday night, we said... A win was not a legacy-creating game for Dak Prescott, but a loss could have been a legacy-destroying game. Was that accurate? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know about legacy because he's, he's going to be playing for a while, and it would be one more thing he'd have to overcome. And, you know, you're familiar. You're, I mean, you've, you've, you've known him, followed him for longer than I have. And I think when you put everything in its proper perspective, which is hard, you know, especially as you're getting ready for, you know, a big NFL playoff game like this is, you have to always remind yourself, and I'm sure he does, where this guy came from. And he came from nowhere, Louisiana, grew up in a trailer. Um, You know, no one, he was a last minute offer by Mississippi State. He goes to Mississippi State and he and Dan Mullen take off. And, you know, it, it all just worked, and it worked because he was good and he worked at it. And he has been a good NFL quarterback. He is a good NFL quarterback. What he has not had is uh, a special January moment. It just hasn't. He's won games. He's won a lot of games. He's looked really good at times. And the reality of this, his best playoff performance until Monday night was his first game uh, his rookie season against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, where he had 330 yards passing, but he overcame a terrible start that put the Cowboys in a huge hole. The Cowboys should have won that game. They were better than the Packers that year, but Dak had a, the, the Cowboys had a terrible start. Dak had a terrible start, and they couldn't overcome it. And as a result, you know, it's, it's just maintained this Cowboys playoff narrative that has existed for 25 years that they get to these games and they just don't win for whatever reason. It's the quarterbacks, the defense, it's the coaching, it's the offensive line, it's the kicker, it's the punter, it's the left cornerback, it's the general manager, it's, yeah, it's everybody. Well, I would have a hard time to say, had he lost that game on Monday night to Brady, that it would be like a legacy thing. I think it would have been just one more thing that people used against him. Well, now that's off the table. He's played great, played awesome, and now he's in a position to put the Cowboys in the NFC Divisional, pardon me, Conference Championship game for the first time since 1996. 
that's what he needs to do. It's going to be really hard because San Francisco's good, and they've got a good defense, and it's going to be tough. But, um, you know, you only get so many chances to, to prove you can do it, and this is his chance. So as a guy who likes him a lot and wants to see him succeed and do well, it would be neat to see him get that moment and get it done. You know, Mac, it's, it's kind of crazy. You, so you say 25 years, and once you get to a certain age, I guess I'm at that age, 25 years doesn't seem like that long because you've got vivid memories of things that happened 25 years ago. Like, I mean, i got vivid memories of, of Troy Aikman and, and Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and Leon Lett and, you know, all of those guys. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and I know, I know Cowboys fans don't have to be reminded of that, but when you really stop, you're like, it, it, that's been a minute. And it's, it's been a minute, especially when you see them now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because they're all in their 50s, right? And yeah. some of them, Troy Aikman looks like he could play today. Michael Irvin looks like he could play today. Emmitt Smith has taken decent care of himself. Uh, some, of those offensive, some, of those, some of those other players are no longer with us. Uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. gone. Um, you know, Nate Newton has gone through some surgeries. and People get older. And you, yeah. when you see that, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then you watch the highlights of the game when they beat San Francisco in San Francisco. Uh, that was one of those divisional round or conference championship games in the 90s when the Cowboys and, and 49ers were going at it all the time. And just great Hall of Fame loaded rosters. But look at the stadiums. The stadiums are gone. Oh, yeah. They put yeah. Candlestick you had, Park. You and, candlestick and the, and the hole in the roof, you know, God's watching America's yeah. team. Yeah, they're all gone now, and they've been replaced by, you know, palaces, and, and, and sports has just changed so much. There's so much more money in it now. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, it has been a minute. I mean, it's been 25 years, and, you know, when you were talking about, well, 25 years isn't that long, and I'm thinking, I'm like, no, he's, he's, I'm like, no, he's right. And the more I thought about it, as I listened to you talk, I'm like, no, I don't know if I can agree with that. that that's 25 years. And for some franchises, for some franchises, they've never been this far. But for the Cowboys, this is, this is their thing. This is what made them the Cowboys. And what made them the Cowboys was getting to the playoffs, winning playoff games, and going to Super Bowls. Well, the reality of it is they haven't really done that in 25 years, partially because bad management, partially because other teams are really good and they're spending a lot of money, and you go through bad draft cycles and whatever reason. Well, the reality is the Cowboys are a pretty good team, Richard. They are. And they've been a pretty good team since about 2007-ish, give or take. They've had some down seasons, some up seasons, but they've been overall pretty good, especially in the last 10 years. What they have not done is win consecutive playoff games. They haven't done it in more than 25 years. They haven't won consecutive playoff games. This is their chance to get to the NFC Championship game again. And I would, you know... I'm unbiased. I'm not biased. I'm you know neutral. All that crap. I've lived here for a long time. I would love to see it just to see this fan base go bananas. But I got to tell you, this it was the wrong team to play. <laughs> it's, it's I think challenge. they could have beaten Philadelphia, but I don't know about San Francisco. Yeah, forty-five to fifty million people are going to be watching it on television as well, and that uh, that late slot on Sunday afternoon. Matt King, we've got three minutes left, and so it's not fair for me to ask you this because I know you need more than three minutes. But could you summarize uh, in, in two and a half minutes the column you wrote where you talked about 
the amount of time I'm completely changing subjects on you, by the way. The amount of oh, okay. time you spent covering Art Briles and the saga at Baylor <laughs> and Kendall Briles' role and why you think it was an okay thing for TCU to hire Kendall Briles, even though it kinda happened right there, you know, in the state you're in. Um uh, it, it is tough to put into two minutes, but I'll try. I covered it from the moment the big story dropped in twenty fifteen, in the fall of twenty fifteen. I kept covering it and covering and covering it. And my initial opinion was, and they deserved a ton of criticism, a ton, and they got it. They got it from me. They got it from other people. They got it nationally. And that narrative maintained until Art got fired a year later. Um, They fired him, and there was a lot more going on than people found out. And the difference was, I think from my – I'm going to pat myself on the back – I kept – kind of knocking on doors trying to say, hey, what's going on here? What happened? What happened? What happened? And people wanted to talk. Um, I had long conversations with Coach Bryles after he was fired. I had conversations with Phil Bennett on the record after he was after he left, uh, the longtime defensive coordinator and, yeah. and you know, had been a head coach other places. Uh, I talked to high member high ranking members of that board. And the bottom line is this that university had major protocol issues when it came to sexual assault reporting. And if you looked at just the allegations, just the allegations, then yes, absolutely, that whole staff should have been fired and no one should have ever gotten a job again. But if you really, but if you kept looking at it and kept looking at it, you would see there was more to it. I would have fired that entire staff. I would have fired Art Bryles on the, without hesitation. And you'll notice all those guys but one got a job someplace else. And the only guy that didn't get a job was Art, and he never will, for for all of the, the realities that exist of social media and those reactions. Nothing has happened with Kendall Bryles since he left Baylor in 16. He's been at Florida Atlantic, Houston, Florida State, and Arkansas. He's obviously done a pretty good job to keep getting jobs, and he's been vetted very carefully along with all, the, all those other guys. Nothing's happened. It's just nothing's happened. Something did happen there, Richard. A lot of young women were... Um, sexually assaulted, which happens at universities all the United States, and it's a tragedy. And what needs to happen is the adults in charge, when those young people come forward and make their claims, that they be heard and taken seriously. And what happened at Baylor is those claims were not addressed properly, because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, and too often the adults kept pointing at each other, well, it's his job, well, it's his job, well, it's his mm-hmm. job. And the reality was they kept looking at Art. And what Art needed to do was just throw guys off the team. Just throw guys off the team and not worry about it. Well, yeah. he didn't. He was waiting for Indeed. somebody else to do their job. And they were sitting on their hands. And they all failed. They all did. And they all deserve some mud on their resume as a result. Because the most important thing when you send your son or daughter off to college is that yeah, you want them to have fun and get a great education, but the most important thing is that, they, that they're safe. And if God yeah. forbid if something does happen, is that it's not too damaging. And for some people there, that did happen. And for some people sure. there, they blame Art Briles. Not even, I shouldn't say that the people at Baylor, but for people outside that community, they blame Art, and he's the face of it. And right. that's just the reality of it. Um, for Kendall Briles. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Nope, I appreciate go. your time. I, I, I know what you got to do. Nope, yeah, do your great, job. Great talking. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Hooray, hooray. 
just don't have enough time in a uh, conversation. We ran a little short on time there with uh, with Mac Engle, but uh, a really, really good and interesting insight. And I asked Mac specifically about that, not because of the column that he wrote yesterday. But that's something that we've talked about with him on the the show in the past as well, and and that was the the Art Briles story. Um, he. Uh, I don't know that there's anybody that covered that story as deeply and for and as consistently and for as long as Mac did. And and he kind of told a very abbreviated version of it there. His perspective on and perception of the story changed dramatically from when the allegations first came out to two, three years down the road. Um, you know, you may have seen Brenda Tracy on Twitter last night, kind of, kind of going off about the hiring of Kendall Bryles and the fact that he's never, you know, acknowledged his mistakes or owned up to anything. And that's going to happen, right? I mean, that's that, that anytime Kendall Bryles makes a move and his name is on the headline, he's got to endure the, the online onslaught. Maybe deserved, maybe not. You can judge that for yourself. But the the life cycle of the news is such that he has to endure that for a couple of days, and then it goes away until his news is again in the news for another opportunity. And so that's what happened here, right? I mean, TCU knew that they would have to endure the onslaught of that media cycle, and then they would move on. Kendall Bryles would have to endure it, and then he would move on, and I guess his family will get to move on as well. So, uh, always appreciate Mac coming on, columnist of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Joining us on the uh, Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. What had been rumored for a week, week and a half now, is now confirmed. Maurice Crum, who was on the staff at Ole Miss on the defensive side, co-defensive coordinator alongside Chris Partridge, has been added to the SMU staff. SMU set to hire Maurice Crum as linebackers coach, co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach at Ole Miss this past year. He's also been a defensive coordinator last year at Western Kentucky. Uh, Adam Rittenberg reporting that on ESPN, and it looks like uh, Billy Embody was the first reported to uh, to cover that. He's an on-three sports writer and uh, covers SMU. So, um, I don't think Maurice Crum was fired, but I think it was one of those deals in the coaching world where he was encouraged to find another spot. And I'm told all of those assistant coaches were on multi-year deals, and so I'm sure there's mitigation. I, I don't know what he was making at Ole Miss, what he's making at SMU, but Maurice Crum's going to be fine. I mean, a guy with his pedigree who is a good coach, a good recruiter, and and I think this still matters. There are a lot of people that are close to him that will tell you a good man also. So I think Rhett Lashley got a good one at SMU, and I think you will continue to see his name kind of on the ascent in the coaching world, and we'll see where that goes. But that news now 
Twitter official. Yeah. All right. Hey, Dad. Used a, um, a, a, a strong phrase at the end of the first segment. <laughs> uh, he said that he thought Spencer Sanders being brought in, in addition to Walker Howard being brought in, was a vote of no confidence for Jackson Dart. Tell me more. I mean, I don't see it as any different. The Howard thing is different. Okay, let's 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 be clear on that because Howard is a guy who could sit a year behind Dart and Dart, you know, at the end of the next year, maybe goes to the NFL, whatever you want to say. But Sanders is a guy that you know he's got one year left. He's coming to play. We're having a competition at the very least in the spring at Ole Miss. To me, it's, it doesn't feel like that different than bringing in Dart to compete with to quote, compete with Altmaier. That you know, I think at this time a year ago, we all kind of knew that Altmaier was, was the, that wasn't going to be the guy. That we we thought that they were going to go out and find a transfer, likely going to be Dart, and he was going to come in and he did eventually win the job. I think it's the same thing here. I think. When you bring in a guy like Sanders, you're telling everybody it's like I don't have complete faith in my guy that I had in Dart. I don't have the, I don't I don't feel like I can just lock him in as the starter for 2023. So I that's how that's I view. The, but but that's not an apples to apples comparison, is it? When when you were talking about a guy who had not been a starter in Luke Altmaier and a guy who had Four You're years right. of it's, eligibility remaining. Right, it's different. You're right, it's 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 a stronger statement against Dart because Dart had at least proven that he could be a good quarterback. And is there a game last year that I can point to that Ole Miss lost where I can say Jackson Dart's the reason they lost that game? How many games can you point to and say he's the reason they won? It, That's fine. I mean. But that's the thing. I mean, run heavy, that's a run-heavy offense. I mean, I, I, the quarterback is is not. It's important, but you know, when you got Judkins and Evans gashing people for 250 yards a game, you can get away with that. I just what, what, what's confusing me is what's wrong with competition. It's the most important position on the field. The single most important position on the field. We we get a text on the text on that says that's not fair to Dart. Well. Life's not fair. SEC football is not fair. You want to know what Texas A&M's recruiting budget is compared to yours? Nothing's fair in this sport. Jackson Dart can do, or and will do, one of two things here. Because I've watched Spencer Sanders a lot. I think Jackson Dart's got a higher ceiling than Spencer Sanders, and he's got more time to reach that ceiling. And last year, in a harder conference with less experience, put up better numbers than Sanders did in the Big 12. So, so Jackson Dart can do one of two things. He can be mad about this and fold. And if that's the case, then so be it. You don't want somebody that would shy away from competition to be your quarterback anyway in this conference. Or he'll see this and think, no, this is my team. This is my job. You can sign anybody. Spencer Sanders doesn't matter. I'm going to work my you-know-what off, and I'm going to make sure that nobody comes in here and takes my job. And that's a win. So you either upgraded the most important position on the field or you pushed your incumbent starter to levels that he wasn't reaching previously. I mean, competition breeds excellence. That is a a thing that a high school coach used to say 
five times a day, <laughs> I was say, every single if you day. Got that on a More than one. But but it's true though. I, I mean, if if Jackson Dart truly is better, then this will push him and push him hard, and he will work harder. And I mean, the only thing that you can well, fear is locker room chemistry issues. That that's that's the one thing you a, fear, and it's a legitimate which is a fear. realistic fear. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's why you get paid nine million dollars to to figure it out, you know. Oh, you don't get paid that to be on Twitter? No, I don't think so. Okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, I will say this though, and I, look, we knew before it happened that Caleb Williams was better than Jackson Dart, but Dart didn't want any part of that competition. He got out of Dodge as quickly as he could. So, just for me, I mean, I don't know. I see Dart, and I think that's a guy. I thought he was talented. I thought he made a lot of big plays, especially with his feet. He was a better runner than I thought he would be. I thought in year two of developing him that he could be a potential NFL guy. I don't know if Kiffin agrees with me based on the moves that he's made in the past couple of days. Comparing numbers from Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart last year, I mean, and and this is good comparison. Uh, Spencer Sanders was 212 of 368 for 2,642 yards. Jackson Dart was 226 of 362 for 2,974 yards. Jackson Dart, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Spencer Sanders, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Spencer Sanders ran it 107 times for 391 yards and 8 touchdowns. Jackson Dart ran it 128 times for 614 yards and one touchdown. Yeah, Dart had the better so, year. Had a better year by every statistical measure. So why is Sanders here? I, I still think that his options were limited. And, and size-wise, they're almost identical as well. Yeah. Jackson Dart, 6'2", yeah. 220. Spencer Sanders, 6'1", 210. I, it's been intimated to me that his options were limited. Very, yes. very, very few places he, places he could actually go. And um, people think but that the, he was there's promised. There's a reason his options were limited. His options were limited because there is academic work that still has to be done for him to be able to be eligible to play next year. And, and it's not like the grades are terrible. It's just number of hours to complete his degree. Yeah. So if if you can't go to but a couple of places, doesn't it make the decision make more sense? And make the pursuit of him make more sense if you don't what have to What was work the other place? Hard. What was the other place? Deserve starter in place. I don't know the answer to that. Auburn people and I mean who knows if you can believe what they report but are saying that uh, he wouldn't have been able to qualify there. They're saying that. That's either a great way to cover up the fact that you got beat on a kid or it's true. Don't know which. Let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com. Of course, coming to you on your Supertalk radio stations all across the state of Mississippi. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks as always for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. So let's check out the uh, ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Kiffin wants to run dart twice as many times. Okay. I mean, I said to you guys in the uh, in the break just a second ago, could it be as simple as Ole Miss recognizes that the offense they run and the, the position that they put the quarterback in with the quarterback running lends itself to a likelihood that it's maybe hard for your quarterback to play every single game like Jackson Dart did this year. Absolutely. Makes sense. You need you need depth at the quarterback position. What doesn't make sense is, it, and it's not, Ole Miss taking Sanders isn't the, the, the thing that's weird. What's weird is, and I, if Borky's correct about him not having options, then this is what it is. But what's weird is a, gra- a grad transfer who obviously wants to finish out his last year as a starter yeah. walking into the situation where there's an established starter like that. Yeah, so I've been talking about it for State for the past few months, that it would be difficult to get somebody in there with Will Rogers unless you're going to have a real live open competition, which is I, obviously I, what's going to happen in Ole Miss. I, I will say this, and you know, forgive me for casting just a little bit of doubt on the idea that Auburn couldn't get him in school, as I've heard multiple places online and, and talking to people as well. Is this a yeah. new thing? Is, yeah. is this Not new? exactly because Princeton I, over there. I, I have not... Like traditionally heard the cries of Auburn not being able to get guys that they want to play football into school. Auburn's a great school. I mean, they got one of the best public business schools in the country. Great vet school. A lot of good things happening at Auburn. School, it's growing. But the idea that if there is a football player that you really need and you really want and you can't get him into school... That strikes me as a bit uh, a bit of a good story to tell on a guy that you didn't win with. Don't forget, <laughs> unless they're just extremely unlucky with credit transfers or something, this is the second quarterback that they have said didn't go to Auburn because of academics. Grayson McCall also famously couldn't go to Auburn because of academics. Now Spencer Sanders couldn't go to Auburn because of academics. The Harvard of the South apparently is one state over. Hmm. It's fascinating, though. I mean, it's, this was the Harvard of the South. And I, that's that's what I said. Apparently, it's one state over. I mean, it's interesting. It, it doesn't doesn't really like. It, it doesn't make sense if Lane Kiffin is like Jackson Dart is the future. He's going to play in the NFL. We're going to win a national championship with him. He is my guy. Like th- no, it, it, if he actually thinks that, which he doesn't clearly, then this doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean. But it is not his M.O. I mean, I've been asked by people, I'm sure you guys have as well, the only way Spencer Sanders would go is if he was promised the job, right? No. That's not his M.O. Was he promised an open competition that he can win? Sure. I believe that. But I don't believe he was told. A guy in his fourth year of starting, putting up worse numbers than your incumbent starter, you're going to come here in a more difficult league and and you're just going to be handed the job when the locker room loves the other guy that played better than you. 
That just that that doesn't add up just as much as all the other stuff that doesn't add up. You know, apparently Peyton Manning listens to this show because I'm pretty sure that you have heard it said on this show before that the idea of halftime adjustments are way overrated. Peyton yeah. Manning on uh, on the Manning cast, the uh, I guess it was Monday night. He's like, man. The idea of halftime adjustments, especially in the NFL, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't know where that idea came from. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, at, at halftime, you got time to go to the bathroom, eat a couple of oranges, sit down with your position group just for a second, and then go get ready for the second half. No halftime adjustments in a 15-minute half. They talk about things that they did well and things that they want to do differently, but it's not like you take the game plan that you worked on the entire week and you toss it out at halftime, and you go, okay, this is what they did, so we're going to adjust. You can't do that at halftime. In a similar, I'm tying these two ideas together, by the way. In a similar vein, the idea of starting jobs being promised to incoming transfers is a concept that's kind of like halftime adjustments. It doesn't really happen. Are there things you tweet, tweak? Sure. Are there things that you intimate? Sure. But, Borky, what you just said is what coaches say to players that are coming in. You're not guaranteeing a starting... Caleb Williams wasn't guaranteed the starting job at Southern Cal. He was smart enough to know that he was going to be the starter at Southern Cal, but he was told that he would have an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Spencer Sanders was told he was going to have an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Jackson Dart last year was told that he was going to have an opportunity to compete for the starting job. It's what everybody is told. Nobody is guaranteed a starting job when they transfer. It just doesn't happen. Four o'clock hour coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. tweets from people that cover college football that caused me to go, wait, what? And that is the exact reaction that I had to a tweet that I saw during the break. And as I read the story, my initial reaction is, come on, that's crazy, you got to be kidding me. But then I think about where we were three years ago and where we are now and realize that maybe nothing is out of the realm of possibility. This is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book a tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com or find out more information at pearlriverresort.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Find out more online at ceasefire.com slash business. The tweet came from Ross Dellinger. Here it is. The bill includes a severe penalty for athletic directors. 
any AD who cuts sports teams, roster spots, or scholarships will be suspended for, quote, a minimum of three years, close quote, if his or her school also pays a coach or administrator at least a $500,000 salary. What bill are we talking about? To the West Coast we go in the state of California. Mm-hmm. Four Republicans. Per Engel. California. The state that spearheaded sweeping name, image, and likeness reform, writes Ross Dellinger, is now seeking to advance the rights of college athletes another step with revenue sharing. Chris Holden, who is an assembly member in the state of California, a Democrat from Pasadena, announced on Thursday that he will introduce the College Athlete Protection Act, legislation that could radically change the economics around college athletics. The bill tethers a portion of an athlete's pay to graduation, does not consider athletes employees of their universities, requires schools to provide medical care and scholarships for athletes after their eligibility, and, in a severe penalty, calls for the suspension of athletic directors for at least three years if they cut roster spots, reduce scholarship amounts, or discontinue sports programs. This, by the way, coming from a state where their athletics programs as part of the University of California system are on the verge of bankruptcy, are on the verge of insolvency. (laughs) This coming from a state where the University of California system board of regents or directors or advisors or whatever they are called there in conjunction with the governor seriously, seriously considered that UCLA, who they didn't want to leave the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten, but ultimately capitulated to that idea, seriously considered UCLA having to share its revenue from the Big Ten with Cal Berkeley, who was being left behind. Two athletics departments, by the way, UCLA and Cal Berkeley, who have been run about like the state budget of California has been run, which is to say not with a lot of fiscal responsibility. The legislation dropping amid an athlete rights movement that has generated sweeping changes to archaic NCAA policies, again, writes Ross Dellinger, touches on a raging issue percolating throughout college sports. The revenue-sharing debate has gained momentum as revenue growth within the college sports industry continues to expand through multi-million dollar football and basketball television deals. Similar to NIL legislation, California could put its universities, how about this, in a precarious position. And this is where I really peaked up, or or, or my, my, my antenna went up. My curiosity was peaked. Because you remember when we talked about California putting NIL legislation in place, they were the first to do it. Mississippi, by the way, was part of that group of, what, seven or eight states that was pretty close behind California. But put a law in place that was going to cause schools in the state of California to be in direct opposition to the rules by the NCAA. You remember that happening. And the NCAA kowtowed to California and all the other states and basically lifted the compensation rules. The College Athlete Protection Act would require schools in California 
to break NCAA rules in what could be another blow to the organization's crumbling bedrock of amateurism. Listen to this. A similar bill failed last year in the state Senate in California because of gender equity concerns. They think they have figured that out. The bill has strong support from the National Collegiate Players Association, which is an athlete advocacy group. Here's a quote from Ramogi Huma, former UCLA linebacker who works with the NCPA. The status quo in NCAA sports is abusive, deadly, and exploitative. Hyperbole much? This bill would ensure college athletes have crucial protections and can share in an equitable amount of the revenue they produce in a way that supports degree completion. Okay, so let's ask a question. What is an equitable amount of revenue? According to this bill, 50% of the revenue generated by a sport Less scholarship money. Here's a real-life example. 2018 budget figures provided to the United States Department of Education say that USC, Southern Cal, brought in $50 million of revenue for football in 2018. The school paid out $6.3 million in scholarships. That leaves a $19 million gap between the amount paid in scholarships and 50% of the total sport revenue. USC would be required to distribute that sum, $19 million, to its 85 scholarship football players. On average, each player would earn about $215,000 a year. Men's basketball players at Southern Cal would earn $155,000. Women's basketball players would get one hundred ten. Thousand each, each. Which, by the way, that fifty percent number is more than NFL players. Just that's more than NFL players get in their revenue split, and they are worth billions as opposed to millions. Slightly different number, but 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 hold on just a second though, just, just real quick, because I want you to go back to that point. Let's go back to the other piece of that story. Where if an athletics director is handed this and say, deal with it, he has to now look at his books and say, okay, how do I pay for this? And the reality is the way you pay for it is you have to cut other sports that are costing you money. Oh, no, 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 that can't happen according to this bill because if an athletic director cuts either roster spots or sports, then the athletics director... If he is making more than $500,000 or any coach on staff is making more than $500,000 in a year, then the AD would be suspended for three years. It's impossible. Where's the money coming from? Nowhere. It's impossible. It's impossible. Sorry, English teacher from eighth grade. From where is the money coming? It's impossible. And what would happen is they'd find a workaround or whatever, the entire either entire departments would fold or they would allow them to cut sports either way if you do the revenue sharing in college sports volleyball gone golf gone tennis gone swimming gone gymnastics gone rifle gone all of it gone and that's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young people that would lose their chance to go to college for free 
thousands upon thousands of them. Some, A lot of those kids, most of them in some cases, depending on your sport, would not go to college without the sport. Couldn't do it. Hey, hey Borky, there's more. Huh, good. There's more. The new California bill would not only grant athletes a piece of their team's revenue, these are the other provisions. Schools cannot cancel athletic scholarships based on the revenue-sharing payments. Schools reporting $20 million or more in revenue must pay athletes two years of post-eligibility medical <laughs> care. Schools reporting $50 million or more in revenue must cover such fare for four years after eligibility expires. Athletics directors can be suspended for a minimum of three years if they eliminate entire sports, roster spots, or aggregate scholarship amounts while paying an athletic administrator or coach an annual salary of $500,000 or more. A 21-member a, a college athlete protection panel will oversee and administer the legislation. The CAP panel should adopt standards to certify uh, agents, agencies, attorneys, financial advisors. Oh, me, and also the money trees that's growing in the backyard are going to be available to everybody. We'll be back. Wow. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. I promise I'm not going down this road. We'll leave that to Paul Gallo from 6 to 9, Monday through Friday, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. But but this economic plan for athletics departments in the state of California comes on the heels of San Francisco's proposed reparations plan that you may or may not have seen come public forum earlier this week. Where do these people think the money is originating? When they pass bills for other also unimportant things, they just print it. So they think that it can happen here too, I suppose. Yeah, but states don't get to print their own money. No, but we just we run up deficits like crazy. Yeah, so. we leave that to the federal government. There was a time where I was really interested and engaged in politics, and I would listen to the debates that were going on on floors in Congress and also locally. Like even when I was in high school, I would listen to the South Carolina just from time to time, not all the time, but I would listen to it if it was something that I thought was important. And there are some that don't fit this bill, so if you're listening, this may not apply to you, but there are a lot of people that are elected into office that are completely and totally incompetent. And I don't just mean for their job, I mean for any job. Like they, they shouldn't what be allowed to have a driver's license. Uh, well, we a lot of it is we don't know. We don't know. 
I mean, if you sat 100 people down right now and said, who is your state representative in your district, how many people could tell you? They, they get through by ignorance, basically. And there are some that are hardworking, intelligent, very competent people. And there are some that are not. So, yeah. uh, they shouldn't be touching college sports. That's what terrifies me. And you asked Greg Sankey the question, and he gave you an answer that wasn't an answer. Those people should not be touching college sports. The, the biggest flaw in, in college sports leadership is its university presidents, not athletic directors. It's academics. It's those kind of people that don't know or don't care. And, and we're allowing people from Stony Brook to make decisions for the University of Alabama or Ole Miss or Mississippi State. They have a vote when it's not even anywhere close to the same. There are colleges, colleges that are much smaller, that play sports, that are much smaller than my high school that I went to. My high school athletic director is in more of a position to make rules for college sports than some of the people doing it. Manages more students. Manages prob- I mean, possibly a bigger budget. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Who gets to make those decisions? That's where we've failed. And begging Congress to fix it is just absolutely insane for otherwise smart people like Greg Sankey to ask for. It's insane. Hey, Dad, your thoughts? <laughs> One of your favorite topics? <sighs> My thoughts are we, we did so good from uh, August through uh, this moment in time. We all we got we did we had a good run. We had a good hey, run. Hey, but, but even with that said, e- even with that said. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't phrase it correctly. Hayes Fawcett. With that being said, I told you my I told you my reaction to that tweet was, "Wait, what? Surely yeah. you're reacting the same way to that idea in California." It's just dumb. And it, it it can't it's not politics aside. It's not financially feasible. So, I'm not too terribly worried about it becoming law. May may I like Somebody's going to be like if you can. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid today was asked for his thoughts on playing a game next season in Germany. His response? I look forward to getting a bratwurst. <laughs> yes. That's probably what my response would be, yeah. Did, did, wasn't it him that after he a won transatlantic the Super- flight, A transatlantic flight, that's a long time to paint mustaches on people's faces. So he would really <laughs> That really is it. a good commercial. <laughs> It's a great commercial. We're going to get to the bottom of this. What it <laughs> throws the sharpie across the plane as Mahomes walks up. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. Better than whopper, whopper, single, double. Yeah, better than that. Please don't do that. No, oh, it's the worst. But yeah, wasn't it him that after he won the Super Bowl, they asked him what he was going to do? He was like, "I'm going to go home, and my wife's going to make me a cheeseburger, and I'll go to bed." <laughs> Andy Reid is the most American man out there. It's just football, eating too much. That is peak male performance. Yes. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, and so uh, Willie Fritz is also American as all get out. So uh, he was speaking on a panel after they won the Cotton Bowl and all that. Willie Fritz, the coach of Tulane, if you're not familiar with that name. Willie Fritz of Mohawk fame when he was in college. Yeah, had a Mohawk in college. but yes. He he was speaking at some event after they won the Cotton Bowl. Just, you know, Coach, how do you celebrate? Like, what do you do? It's the off season now. What do you do in your spare time? And he was like, 
Oh, nothing really. I mean, I just coach football. It's all I do. And they're like, no, coach, you got to have one hobby. And he was like, well, I mean, I like to, you know, sit by my pool and drink a natty light. My man. That, that is just an American man right there. He's probably got a house in Uptown somewhere where the it's These always kind of men who should be leading us. Yes. Tulane football team is uh, getting a Mardi Gras parade. They've, they've actually moved it to Sunday because of rain. Sunday, January Crew 22nd. At, uh, yeah, that's good. Moved to Sunday, January 22nd. It's this coming Sunday. Begins at Tailgate Village on the Burger Family Lawn at Newcomb Place and Drill Road. Okay, very specific yes. there. Uh, yeah, victory. We're naming parade. lawns now. Good. That's gracious. right. That's right. Did you give money? What do you want your name on? Uh, that the grass lawn. over there is good. That grass right there. Nothing will beat the fact that Michi- the, the title of head coach at Michigan was purchased by somebody. It's got yeah. somebody's name on it's it. At it's, San- it's at Stanford, too. Stanford's got that. Stanford athletic director, you know, coaches, coach, yeah. assistant coaches. Just want to let everybody know that. Just want to let everybody be aware, and you can email me at heydad at supertalk.fm, that the title of co-host also available for naming rights. I will be more than happy to be your business's co-host of Super Talk Mississippi, and I will force Richard to say that every show. I gotta get my read in. If the price is right, <laughs> the price is right. You can. We'll do it, th- and we will do a bulk discount if you want to buy all three of our naming rights. We we've got you covered. Sports Talk Mississippi, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and uh, the C Spire co-host of the show, Brian Haydad. Yeah, see? thank you. I decided to avoid. Getting I mean, in trouble. Tell- we would use an existing partner. Yeah, to- yeah. We'll just use an existing sponsor. Q, if you're listening. Call me, baby. Well, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's not even like the uh, you know the. It wouldn't even be intrusive. <laughs> Just, it's not going to be anything obnoxious. I, I, you know, you said that like for the it's... right price, I'll be whatever you want to be. Can you imagine if I was the old Miss Loyalty Foundation uh, co-host, Brian Haydad? I mean, if they want to pay, though. <laughs> yes. The Grove Collective co-host, Brian Haydad. <laughs> Hmm. Tell Walker, give me a call. I'll spend some of that money. Kind of feels like Tulane will get the uh, parade, the the, cha- the celebration parade, right? Though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have some had some practice at that through be, the years. That might be the goat parade. Did you see the Rams parade last year? How pathetic that was! It was embarrassing. It was like four blocks, and they didn't have people lining the four blocks. It was Where the shortest parade ever. I mean, do you do it in Inglewood? Or do you do it in Los Angeles? Do you do it on Sunset Strip? Where where do you have a parade in Los Angeles? The only way to get L.A. people to show up to a parade is to tell them the Lakers are coming. That's the only way they're showing up. That's that's all they've got. The only way the Lakers are showing up at a parade is if they're going to watch somebody else. I hate you so much. I mean, there's there's no city that does championship parades quite like New York, like New York. New York. The the hall, the, yeah, the the canyon, canyon of heroes. I mean, you can't you can't beat that. And and it's you can't, I mean, now you can't. And and different now than it used to be, right? I mean, because the old school yeah. canyon of heroes champion parades were when you had actual stock ticker tapes, and they'd tear those up and throw mm-hmm. them out the windows, and it was like a confetti. 
filled sky. Yeah. You've never seen some of the pictures of some of those old parades. I mean, those are incredible. When was the last one? It's been a minute. <laughs> Borky, Borky is sitting there zapping us. He cheers for teams with no titles. Zero. He's got one with the Saints, and that's it. Zero titles. He doesn't even have a baseball team. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. Was he even a Saints fan when they I wasn't, the so I've got, I've got zero titles. You I got have nothing. no idea what it feels like. Shut your mouth! <laughs> I guess the Giants Super Bowl would have been the last ticker tape parade in New York. Unless the Rangers have won it since then, that, I, that I'm not aware of. I think they have. I know the Knicks haven't. <laughs> no. No, you know that. That's a true statement. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, to the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, who is the Mississippi Ford Dealers co-host. Thank you. I'm gonna have to work this on that to figure great. out how that's gonna roll off the tongue. It's uh, this is a great idea, though. I'm just saying that's an extra read. That's an extra like 20 reads a show. We're gonna be able to charge out the wazoo. Mm. I might just stop introducing us as much. You do it every break. Y'all know who we are. uh, We are coming to you. No, if we're making money, you got to do it. We have the Pearl River Resort Studios, PearlRiverResort.com. That's where you can find out everything that's happening at PRR. Four games this weekend Jags at Chiefs, Giants at Eagles, Bengals at Bills, Cowboys at Niners. All four home teams are favored. Not surprising because all four home teams are the higher seed. So the Chiefs are favored by eight and a half at home against Jacksonville. The Eagles are a seven and a half point favorite against Giant, the Giants, which feels like it's right in the sweet spot. Like even if you don't think the Giants are going to win that game outright, feels like getting a touchdown is it's good stuff there. Buffalo is a five and a half point home favorite over the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Niners are favored by four against the Cowboys. So let's start here. I'm handing you a crisp $100 bill. You do not have the ability to buy dinner with it. You do not have the ability to go buy new underwear with it. There is nothing that you can buy with this $100 bill. You can only place it on an underdog in one of these four games this weekend. Which of these four games... Would you take that crisp $100 bill that has one purpose and one purpose only and place it on an underdog? Where, where are you buying $100 underwear? This is this is another this is another I mean, cross well, one thing. No, no, like, no, 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 no. $100 will buy me enough underwear to get through the year, like maybe two years. Like hey, I would not need any new boxers for a long, a long time. Lately? 
Only because you set me up for it. Only because you set me up for it. If, if that one you'd had in your backyard for Thanksgiving had gone bad, I could have just, you know, gone commando and we could have flown that over the uh, over the thing. <laughs> Jeez. But no problem, Jane. Let me go to the bathroom for a minute. I'll be all right. That would have that would have lasted you for a year anyway. <laughs> all right. Ah, uh, Jeez Louise. I don't know why underwear is what I picked. It's just the first thing that came to mind. Well, that's that's got its own issues. I, I would love to pick Jacksonville because I love this. Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost on Saturday in his in his football career. Stat. It a, it's a fantastic stat. Thirty seven and zero in high school, college, and now the pros. He has never lost on on a Saturday. But, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Just told you there's no possible way. That it hit hits red thirty eight times in a row. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Mm. I just I like the Chiefs though. Yeah, you, know, you know, um, it's tough to bet against Joe Burrow. I could see them going to Buffalo and winning, or wherever that game is being played. Oh, that would. Where be was it being played? Buffalo. Yeah. Okay. Then, Every yeah, I could road see Joe team Burrow is an underdog this weekend yeah. because because. This is one of those teams where Cincinnati, it's like the weather isn't a huge deal. Mm-hmm. They're used to playing in the cold, right? And I don't, I, I, Burrow is slow, is slowly achieving that Brady, I don't bet against him status. Got to win a Super Bowl to get there, but yeah. why would I bet against Joe Burrow? I'm not uh, going to. Let's see here. The forecast for Buffalo. <laughs> It's, it's going to be cold. So Sunday, Sunday to the uh, the high on Sunday in Buffalo is 35. The low mm. is 30, and there are PM snow showers in the mix. Nice. I don't know if it'll be PM enough. That's uh, yeah. well, maybe. I mean, that's a three o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Yeah, well, it'll be dark. I don't know if it's PM. Yeah. Um. I mean, technically, anything afternoon is PM, Borky, but yeah. I don't know if that's what Jim Cantori decides in his forecast. I love the Giants. I mean, all, all the underdogs feel like a pretty good play, though, considering the points that you're getting. I saw something ridiculous, by the way. If you want to know how bad programming has become, their sports programming. I think this was on the NFL Network, even. They had a Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy comparison. And it was poise, accuracy, arm strength, mobility, decision-making. So the five tools that they determined in the quarterback. And who had the edge in those things? They gave poise to Brock Purdy. They gave accuracy to Brock Purdy. They gave decision-making to Brock Purdy. And arm strength and mobility to Dak. How on earth do you know that Brock Purdy is a better decision-maker than Dak Prescott when he's played fewer than 10 games in his professional career, and Dak Prescott has years. I mean... Well, that's your answer right there. The unknown, I guess, is yes, what... I yes. mean, how do you know he's more The guy that's got five years of, of experience under his belt. Yeah. How do you know that Brock Purdy's <clears throat> more poised? Look, he won a playoff game, he was good, but how do you know? It just... That comparison just feels so goofy to me. How are you giving San Francisco the edge in any quarterback category right now? It doesn't make sense to me. I, I like Brock Purdy. He's shown you a lot, and if he wins this game, you probably can't sit him. But 
to to have him over a multi-year starter in the NFL that's put up the numbers that Prescott has in any category is just lunacy. I agree. Let's in see. terms of money line for the underdogs, Cowboys are a uh, plus 160 underdog. The Bengals are a plus 180 underdog. Uh, no, I'm sorry, plus 196. Uh, the Jags, big number here, plus 360. And the Giants are like plus 280. 285. Kind of see some value in the New York Giants. The Giants was my second thought because they're just playing well. I feel like they've got like a little little whiff of something going there. You mentioned it the other day when the Giants, you know, went with Eli when they they they, they come through the wild card sometimes and they're just they're just mm-hmm. good in that role. So, I mean, it was a wild card team who knocked off the team of destiny. Yeah. It was, yeah, you know. 16 and 0 in the in the regular season plus two playoff wins. Seven and a half just feels so much and the and the Giants are going to grind you down. I mean they get, they did give up a basically a perfect game to Kirk Cousins last week. Wasn't very explosive, but he was as efficient and didn't turn the football over and didn't get sacked as any quarterback in a loss in the history of the sport. So that's something to keep an eye on, I suppose. But, man, 7.5 feels so big with how they're playing right now. It does. And Hertz has been out for a while. I mean, it's weeks. It's not just the bye week that they got because they were the one seed. It's weeks that Hertz hasn't played. He may not be 100% either. Let's see. Jalen Hurts, the last time he played in a game was... January 8th. January 8th against the Giants was the last time he played. He played in that game? Or that was just their last game? That was their last game. Yeah, that was their last game. He didn't play in that game. He didn't play against the Saints. And maybe like week week 13, maybe week 14? Yeah, I was sorry. I was trying to go to his game by game this year. He didn't play against the Giants, did he? Maybe he did. This is showing that he was 20 of 35 for 229 yards with no touchdowns and an interception against the Giants. So he played on December. Yeah, he played on December 18th. And then he missed two or three games and then played in the regular season finale against the Giants. And not well. No. I mean, you would think another couple of weeks would kind of have him back to at least close to full speed. But we'll see. I don't know. I wonder about them up front. That's not the giant strength, though. They're good on the interior. Did you see that video of, um, oh, gosh, who's their starting defensive tackle? Oh, man, what is his name? Anyway, he was mic'd up, and uh, he told the Viking center that you hug me more than my wife. <laughs> Pretty good. And he said, he was talking to one of his teammates. He's like, man, the Pilates is getting me right. I'm more flexible. <laughs> Before snap at a playoff game. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be back to wrap up the four o'clock hour right after this. 
sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. We're going to have to find something else for the college football fix. I can't wait on this one anymore. Arkansas, in losing Kendall Bryles, moved quickly. A couple of you have asked about this on the uh, ceasefire text line to name a new offensive coordinator. And it is a name that uh, you have heard before at Arkansas and just about everywhere else in the country. Dan Enos. I'm always intrigued by the route that longtime assistant coaches have taken to get to where they are. For Dan Enos, it started in 1991 after playing quarterback at Michigan State as a GA. So Michigan State is a GA, D3 Lakeland, D2 Northern Michigan, Southern Illinois, Missouri State, Western Michigan, North Dakota State, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Central Michigan, Arkansas, Michigan, Alabama, Miami, Cincinnati, Maryland, and now... Back to Arkansas as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Danny Nose was the he was the OC at Arkansas 2015, 2016, and 2017 under Brett Bielema. I love this line in his Wikipedia entry. His time as offensive coordinator was highlighted by an eight and five record and Liberty Bowl win in his first season as offensive coordinator in 2015. <laughs> Take what you can get. Yeah. Bielema was fired from his position as Arkansas head coach after the 2017, and new Arkansas head coach Chad Morris chose not to retain Enos. This reminder that Chad Morris once was the head football coach at the University of Arkansas did not go particularly well. For multiple years? It's by Adam. It's by Adam, okay. Two and ten, two and eight, four and eighteen in two years. That Dabo coaching tree really taking off. That was they on robbed, the heels. They of robbed going, him of being four twenty. Yeah, I mean that was on the heels of going fourteen and twenty two at SMU. That seven and five season in twenty seventeen really, really showed that he had turned. Really things turned on. some heads. And it was the same hire as Gene Chizik. The difference is Auburn bought Cam Newton and Chizik won, but Chizik's record when they hired him was ridiculous. And they did it anyway. Of the yeah. Pruitt, Morris, and Moorhead, somehow State made the best hire. Yeah, easily. Gene Chizik at Iowa State was 5-19 and 19 in two years. Could you imagine... There's no wonder he got heckled when he got off the plane. Yeah. By, by that one guy. <laughs> that, that one guy out there. You bum! Two years two years later, that guy was like painting his body to look like uh, Gene Chizik and, and, you know, covered and already, in, 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 in Cam Newton jerseys. He but, went 8-5 and five and won the Outback, 14-0 and oh and won the championship game, 8-5 and five and won the Chick-fil-A, and then 3-9 and nine and was fired. Let's uh, let's pretend for a second that Lane Kiffin's flirting finally outlier. got somebody to take him home, and Ole Miss was looking for a football coach. Could you imagine 
if they replaced him with somebody Where, that went home? five and nineteen at Minnesota, <laughs> what the reaction would be if that happened? New, new Ole Miss head coach David Beatty coming in hot. Let's go. Uh, I wouldn't even talk on that show. I would just, I just have a box of popcorn right here, just sit there and let you two cook. There are a few examples of it working. I mean, Mike Loxley. He just won a national title. He won a national title. Cam Newton won a national title. I don't care. I don't care. He gets the credit. He gets the credit. I mean, what was Ed Orgeron's record as a head coach? I mean, you know. He won a national title, in case you forgot. He won a national title. Mike Loxley as a head coach was 2-26. and 26. But then what did he do, though? Actually, he was 3-31. and 31. But what happened after that? He went to rehab. Right. He, he went to the Nick Saban coaching rehab. Makes you more attractive. <laughs> He's 21-28 and 28 in four years at Maryland. But they have one back-to-back seasons. They're figuring it out. Man, that, that Mayo bath that he took this year. Everybody got mad at him for putting for keeping that giant hat on, so he had to do it twice. Well, he took the hat That's off, smartness. and they're like, hey, we got a little left. <laughs> shake, shake. <laughs> hey, Dad, you need to get one of those big hats. Those are kind of all the rage. Uh, so I've seen them. On, on my dome, it would just be a hat. With like a super tall logo on it. It'd be good. Make it happen. That would be good. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball is going to join us in the, the next segment. So we'll push the college football fix back. Actually, I guess this this could have been. Maybe I should have done that. This could have been the college football fix. We'll, we'll do that again later in the 5 o'clock hour. College we've got, we've always had college football to talk about. Driven by Ford. But Kendall Rogers will join us next on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll talk some college baseball. Their top 25 came out earlier this week. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. It's time for us, though, right now, as we start this 5 o'clock hour, to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. First time in 2023, hopefully the first of many conversations with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball and D1Baseball.com. It's got a little bit of a new look this year. There is a uh, an additional option if you are a fan of SEC Baseball. Uh, you, you can add on to your D1 Baseball subscription and get more SEC-specific coverage than you have uh, ever gotten before. Big things happening at D1, Kendall. Yeah, how about that? You know, what's really interesting is, you know, I was thinking about the last couple of years when, you know, the first time we've gotten on the radio show to start the spring, and the last few years we've been talking about a Mississippi school winning the national championship, so I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, like, Southern Miss is next on the board. I don't know. Uh, they got a, a preseason All-American on the mound, and that's a uh, that's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, man, it's going to be fun watching Southern Miss 
in the Sun Belt this year, I feel like that's a huge step for their program in terms of just kind of overall level of competition and, and interest in that part yeah. of uh, the state of Mississippi. There, there's no doubt. I mean, I think you look at the job that Scott Berry's done. I think it, I think if they play anybody but Ole Miss last year in that Super, I think they advanced out of that thing. I think they just caught Ole Miss in kind of that magical run, which we all saw kind of culminate in Omaha. But, uh, you know, I think when you look at Southern Miss overall, I, the, the common denominator of the college baseball teams that, that win at a high level, get to Omaha, compete for a national championship, what we saw with Ole Miss last year with Oakland Company, is older guys. And I think when you look at Southern Miss overall, I mean, this is a team that's going to have five guys in their starting lineup that are either fourth or fifth-year players, uh, and that means a lot, especially when you're talking about guys that are that are big-time contributors. You know, Christopher Sargent, it seems like he's been there for like a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Danny Lentz feels like he's been there for a decade. Uh, you know, Reese Ewing. I mean, the list kind of goes on. And so I, I love that lineup. I do think, you know, obviously losing Hurston Walter kind of kind of makes this team go from a top-ten team to kind of a, you know, more 11-20 to 20 team. But, you know, Tanner Hall in, in his own right is an exceptional pitcher. And, you know, if he can get a little bit of help on the bump, uh, this is going to be a really good team. But, yeah, you know, the Sun Belt is going to be fascinating this year when you think about Southern Miss. You, you think about Texas State, who got the regional final last year. Coastal Carolina. Louisiana, Georgia Southern, who hosted a regional last year. This is suddenly a league, Richard, that I think in the future, maybe even this year, can get four or five bids in a given season. I think it's going to be that good of a league. So the top 25 came out this week. Uh, There are a couple of things I think that stand out here uh, in in the state of Mississippi. Number one is that Ole Miss, who who won it all last year, is preseason top five despite losing – some really significant pieces from that team a year ago. And then the other thing is not seeing Mississippi State in the preseason top 25 after finishing last in the SEC a year ago. So let's take that kind of in two parts. Let's start with Ole Miss as a top five. Is this a respect for the reigning national champions vote, or is this this team you as a staff at at D1 Baseball believe is, is top five quality? I think they're top five quality, and let's not forget about Ole Miss. I mean, yeah, they scuffled down the stretch last year. Very, you know, probably shouldn't even have got in, but found a way to get in. You know, played for a national championship, won the national championship. But let's not forget, this is an Ole Miss team that was number one in the country at one point in the middle of the season. So it's not like they just came out of nowhere and it was a Cinderella run. This wasn't a really good team at one point. They were a really good team at one point. So. I just think when you look at Ole Miss overall this year, you know, yeah, they lose Elko and, and guys like Kevin Graham, but I mean, you think about, you know, getting Jacob Gonzalez back, Peyton, Peyton Chantier back, Calvin Harris, you know, will move to that full-time catching role. He's a really exciting player. And you look at Calarco, who, you know, has a big-time background as a producer. I saw Ethan Groff last year a couple of times at Tulane. He's an all-American caliber player. So the thing is, is, you know, yeah, you know what? They, they lost. You know, Kevin Grahams and things like that, but they also replaced them with really good, accomplished players. And so I think that really matters for me. And I think also, you know, Kemp Alderman for me uh, is, you know, he was a power hitter last year. I think Kemp is a kid that is going to go from hitting the 280 range to hitting more like 340 this year. I think he's going to be a, a breakout guy for them. So you're talking about a deep lineup. And, yeah, the, you know, the one thing you can look at when it comes to Ole Miss, you can look at the pitching staff and go, okay, you're, you're, you're counting on guys like, you know, uh, Grace Sonye and Xavier Rebus, you know, transferring in and, and kind of kind of fitting in those weekend roles and being dudes from day one. But let's not forget Hunter Elliott and the job that he did in the last year. And also Mason Nichols. You know, Mason Nichols pitched some really important innings for that club at the end of last year. 
And uh, even, even without Josh Mallett, like he's a, he's a, he's an accomplished, high quality arm. So yeah, if for me, when I look at Ole Miss, I look at those number two, number three spots in the rotation, and I go, okay, like we don't really know what kind of transition they're going to make. But those are two supremely talented pitchers, and I think even if they scuffle a little bit early, I think some of those other pieces on this team can, can kind of mask those efficiencies a little bit. Is there anything to the idea that now that you know, not only a trip to the to Omaha is is kind of off the back of Mike Bianco, but got the crown. That do you think he changes at all in the way that he coaches the game? Because in fairness, he really hasn't changed. I mean, he's evolved, but he's kind of been the same guy in terms of demeanor and not getting too high and not getting too low. Is there anything different about the way he approaches coaching after winning a title? I do, and, and honestly, Richard, I think, and I, you're closer to the program than I am. You see him on a daily basis, but I actually felt like when the vulture started circling Ole Miss a little bit a couple of years ago with him, uh, I actually kind of felt like he was even a little different last year. Like there were times last year where he was, you know, ultra stressed out or you know looked like he was in a pressure situation, but for the most part, especially down the stretch, like I thought Mike kind of looked like somebody who was a little bit. I don't know, like, content with whatever kind of happens. Like, you know what, at the end of the day, if Keith Carter wants to get rid of me, then so be it. If we get to the postseason and go on the run, then so be it. So I think he started to shift a little bit. Then the last year, I think he kind of realized the career that he had, you know, kind of reflecting back on his career just in case. But I, I, I think Ole Miss is scary moving forward because I think if you're Mike Bianco, the guy's obviously a really good coach. And to go from a really good coach who's worrying about his job security to a coach who all of a sudden – and that's not to say he's going to get content. Trust me, like, or complacent is the right word. Like, Mike is the opposite of ever being complacent. But what I mean is he's going to, he's going to be maybe a little bit more aggressive. He's going to, he's going to coach like he's, he's, you know, betting with house money. So – uh, I, I think he will. Uh, I think he will change a little bit. And I think it will change for the better. And I think it's going to make that that program as a whole more of an Omaha mainstay uh, than they already are. All right. So Mississippi State not in the top twenty-five. Obviously, Bulldog mm-hmm. fans looking for a pretty significant bounce back here from uh, from yeah. where they were a year. I mean, look, it, it's easy to go. Oh, I mean, finished last in the SEC, but we have to look at the injuries that they endured a season ago. Yeah, that can't happen again. Like, like that, they can't be that unlucky two years in a row. No, you're right. I mean, this is one of those teams at the end of the year that we can look back on and go, oh, man, we should have raked them. And, you know, Auburn's in the same boat. Like, I think you look at both of those teams and you go, boy, they, they look really rankable. The problem you run into is when you look at the Southeastern Conference, you've got two teams in Missouri Kentucky that you probably have a good idea they're going to finish 13th to 14th. But guess what? Somebody's got, somebody's got to finish in 11th or 12th or 10th. And so those two teams just happen to be in that in that range, so to speak. And I just think when you look at Mississippi State overall, I think this is a team that, you know, I would feel confident if I was a betting person buying in on them right now, taking my chances with them. Because I do think when you look at this club offensively, boy, there's a lot to believe in. You know, you get Rick Hancock back. You know, Hunter Hyde and that big bat is back. You know, our, uh, Monty Larry was a highly accomplished player at New Orleans. You know, uh, Dakota Jordan – maybe one of the more advanced freshmen in the country. Like, he's going to be an exceptional player. The question is, is he going to be exceptional from day one? But then you look at Colton Ledbetter, who could be this year's Sonny D. I mean, Sonny D came in from Stanford at Auburn last year, made a big-time impact. Ledbetter is actually a better prospect and a, a big-time power hitter. You know, does he have a Sonny D kind of impact? I think the, the big thing for me 
I think Mississippi State's going to hit. The question for me is just on the mound. I mean, who, you know, is Parker Stinnett or, you know, Cade Smith, are they going to be premier frontline guys that can beat Paul Skeens or, or Chase Dolander or Nathan Detmer and guys like that? Uh, and, you know, well, who, who, you know, does Parker Stinnett stay healthy? Does Landon Gartman make a smooth transition from Memphis? So there's just a lot of question marks when it comes to the mound uh, for Mississippi State. And so, uh, you know, uh, they're a tough team to figure out. I mean, I could see them being really good, and I could see them kind of being borderline 500, which puts them, you know, at the bottom of the top 25 or just out of it where they were. Because right now, I, I would have Mississippi State, for me, right there with Auburn, right there with Texas, and right there with Oklahoma in terms of the 26 through, let's say, 30 teams. Okay. Uh, 20 seconds. We're up against a hard break. How severe was the debate between LSU and Tennessee at number one? It was not that severe, but I think it's really close. I mean, I like I like buying in on LSU right now, but uh, boy, Tennessee with Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, and Drew Bean back, I think they're going to learn a lot from from their kind of being flamboyant last year. They learned a valuable lesson, and remember, it's always the team after the team that seems to get it done. And I think Tennessee's not going to skip a beat offensively with Jared Dickey and Blake Burke. That's going to be a really explosive club. Kendall, thanks as always for your time. Look forward to talking soon. It's uh, less you got it, boys. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Richard. Right. Kendall Rogers, Bye. D1 Baseball, the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll take a timeout and be right back with you after this. in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Good visit with Kendall. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check them out online at favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Rolling along at the 5 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. We were talking earlier about those four NFL games coming up this weekend. You can get in the action at the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. More information, log on to pearlriverresort.com. But stop by yourself. There in Philadelphia and visit the sports book at the Golden Moon. Join us if you want to on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Mike in Oxford says went to every fall practice and we used the shift in every game against every lefty. First time I've ever seen us practice it. That is Mike talking about Ole Miss and its fall practices. Yes, that would be was, was Mike and Starkville. What's going on? That that would be Why is Mike difference? referring to state as we? Mm. He's changed allegiances. Mm. That seems unlikely. Well, that seems incredibly unlikely. Well, if the recent trends continue, the reigning national champion will finish last in the conference. So maybe he wants to to get off that boat before it sinks. You know. Mm. Do uh, hey, Dad, you you heard what Kendall said about about Mississippi State? Yeah. You agree? 
More or less. I mean, I, I like I like the batting order. I think they got plenty of pop in the order, plenty of good hitters. But the questions are are in the uh, the pitching staff. I mean, right now, you know, if you said Brian, give me who you think the the first weekend's rotation is, I would struggle. I think I'm pretty sure Kate Smith will be in it. I think he'll probably get the first start of the season. But then after that, I don't know. You know, is it going to be Stinnett? Is it going to be Gartman? Is, is Casey Hunt going to be a starter this year? And they wanted him to be a starter last year before he got hurt. So I don't know. I and and then in the bullpen, you've got a lot of unproven guys. So um, yeah, there's a lot of questions on the mound for, for Mississippi State. One thing that I did find out though, it's not Lou, it's Low. Gerangelo, his nickname is just Low. Low. Ambidex with a K. Is ambidextrous. Yeah, somebody yeah. should make a sign in the outfield or something. I keep Let's telling you guys. Somebody should have a merch store where they could just do you know stuff like that. Keep telling you, amphibious. Make an NIL deal with them. Amphibious. So, baseball practice has started. Started this week. Oxford, Starkville, mm-hmm. Hattiesburg, all over the place. And, um, man, did they catch a break with the first couple of days of, yeah. of camp? Yeah. It was 70 yesterday, <clears throat> mid-50s today. Spanish nicknames are cool. So, uh, ambos is both. Is both? Is both. I like Ambos. that. Pretty good. I can't wait to watch him play. I mean, how fast? It, it, what's going to happen though when you have a switch hitter, and the switch hitter comes up to bat and he brings out, you know, he puts the glove in his left I hand think, and he wants to throw right, and the switch hitter flips to the other side and they just go back and forth. I think forth. you have to have a declaration by yep. both of them, like which way I'm throwing. So what does he have to do? Just show the He's, hand to the ump? Just hey, left, right. No, this I think time? the batter oh, has I, to declare. I think the, the batter, batter goes play, first, so the I pitcher think, can yeah. stand behind the mound, and the, once the batter steps into his bo- into the box and takes his spot, then with this glove that'll work on either hand, I think your pitcher can go. Yeah. Now, once he begins at bat throwing either left handed or right handed, he has to continue. You can't switch through the at bat, right. right? You cannot switch mid at bat. You can you can switch for every uh-huh. batter, but you cannot switch mid at bat. So, like if you fouled one off your shin. You couldn't flip sides to protect that shin because the just the rules say you can't. Or my guess is if you could do that, that they would allow the pitcher to reset as well. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, I can't wait to see it. How cool is that? It's just one of those unique little quirks that probably, if you're just like a casual fan sitting in the outfield sipping a beer, you don't even notice it. Because you're not really watching the game. The game's there, but you're drinking, you're eating, you're talking, all that. But it's fascinating. I mean, I'm sure it's been done maybe many times before. But it's One of the see- coolest things ever was watching Jim Abbott pitch. Yeah. Yeah, he was not ambidextrous, but but had only his left hand. And and so as he was mm-hmm. delivering the motion, the, the palm of the glove rested on his right hand, and as he finished his throwing motion, kind of all in one motion, that glove went onto his left hand. Then the crazy part was on a comebacker, he'd have to field it, and then the glove had to come off, and he had to transfer the ball to make a, a toss over to first. That is yeah. such a cool thing. Such a, an incredibly cool thing. That rules, man. I'm getting excited, honestly. I think it's mostly because the basketball teams are, you know, what they are. Two, we have two combined SEC wins, so that's good. It's more than one, but I am 
kind of looking forward to having weekends where there's <laughs> – it's more about time than anything else. I like baseball, all that, and I like covering it. But I'm excited to have, on a Friday night, I get home and you know we put the kid down and I get to go to my office and, and pull up my two TVs and put on a couple of baseball games and pour myself a bourbon and just relax and watch baseball. Can't do that right now. It's just the greatest. Especially once it gets it's warm enough stuff. outside. Oh, and it's not oh. intense either. Like fo- football games are intense, right? Oh. I mean, we love it; it's the best. But when you're when you're covering a football game, there, there's a lot, and it's the the reaction is either really really high or really really low. Very little in between there. It's it's kind of it's intense. Baseball not so much. They lose Friday night. Nah, whatever. They'll play tomorrow. Oh, really? Is that is that the reaction online? Yeah, whatever, when they lose on Friday night? <laughs> For the All rational right, yeah. people, yeah, that, that that's what it usually is. That's what it should be, anyway. It isn't. We, uh, we need to get to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive the F-150 45 straight years. F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America Get behind the wheel of one today. You're going to love it. Trust me. You try it, you're going to love it. That's Ford F-150. Breaking news. Former LSU and kind of former Georgia tight end, Eric Gilbert, one of the most highly recruited tight ends out of high school in the history of recruiting rankings. Former five-star prospect, number one tight end overall, number nine player out of the 2020 class, is headed to Nebraska. Eric Gilbert, go play for Matt Rule. He's going to be a Cornhusker. What will he be next year? An immense talent. You hope for his sake he figures it out. Cal Bear? Well, I mean, nah, after get, this next one, it's, it's time to start dropping split. down. It's I mean, time to start talking about him at Grand Valley State or something like that. Go get him, Furman. Uh, I, speaking of Cal, I saw somebody talk about how great the non-conference schedule is uh, this coming year. I mean, it's always good, but uh, we've got like eight top 25 matchups if you look at the first preseason poll. Stuff like that. Non-conference schedule is good. And the guy was listing all the good things about the non-conference schedule. Top 25 matchups. This marquee game. This marquee game. Auburn at Cal. This marquee game. I was like, buddy, you you slipped that one in there. And that one does not fit the rest of what you're talking about. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, nobody at all is excited for Auburn at Cal. Maybe Auburn fans because they're still on the high of the, the honeymoon phase with Hugh. But... Never mind, I was going to make a joke. Uh, but the Cal fans don't care. Hmm. No. No. Oh, please don't put those on the tee for me. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get better. Please stop. Please stop enabling me, Michael Borky. What are they going to do at quarterback? Who? Auburn. Jaden Rashada. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. Jaden Rashada. <laughs> Breaking news. They got twelve mil just laying around. I was just looking at a store. I don't think it was sure. Well, they do a, have a, a hundred million dollar uh, nil. So yeah. yeah. Is it possible mm-hmm. that they didn't have quite as much as they proclaimed to have? 
No. That number I was think that's probably true of just about everybody. No. That's why you don't tell them the numbers. Just don't say the numbers. Don't say them. Keep them to yourself. I mean, they can claim the academic stuff if they'd like to, but Spencer Sanders chose to go to Ole Miss where Jackson Dart is as opposed to going to Auburn where Robbie Ashford is after Devin Leary told them no because he'd rather go to Kentucky. I mean... He likes bourbon. He's a bourbon drinker. What are they going to do there? I mean, I get... likes horses. Loves the ponies. Loves the ponies, man. Portal opens up again in May. Maybe maybe they can get a post-spring guy. Maybe Sanders gets beat out and goes to Auburn eventually anyway. Let's bring it full circle. Jackson Dark to Auburn. Let's go. See Richard's face. Good Lord. Well. Well. Michigan was hoping to streamline its NCAA infractions case. That seems unlikely. Why? We'll tell you next. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com. I think we're, we're a two out of three day today, right? I got the uh, the Genteel pullover, the just slightly heavier. Now, this is not the performance weight, which is kind of that super soft, super lightweight, a little bit heavier, a little bit warmer. And he has got the, uh, the golf shirt on as well today. Genteel Apparel, you can get your own at uh, genteelapparel.com or at men's specialty stores all throughout the uh, state of Mississippi and uh, kind of growing across the uh, entire southeast. Here in Mississippi, if you're looking to buy Genteel Apparel, you can go to S.F. Allman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, The Country Gentleman in Greenville, and Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, among many other stores as well. Uh, Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Michigan's NCAA infractions case projects a prolonged path to resolution, writes Pete Thamel. Why? Because Jim Harbaugh refused during multiple meetings with the NCAA this week to acknowledge that he lied to NCAA investigators. During an attempt to expedite the case and achieve a negotiated resolution, Harbaugh refused to acknowledge that he had lied to an NCAA investigator, a source confirmed. He has maintained that he does not remember the incident in question, which has led to a standstill in the case. Yahoo Sports first reported the details. Isn't that backwards? I got to click on that link real quick just to be sure. 
Oh, that was Dan Wetzel that wrote it. Okay. So I just it, assumed. Yeah. You, you better admit to us that you lied or else you're going to get punished more, even though we have no proof that you lied is a heck of a strategy. That can only pass in the NCAA. I go back to when Southern Miss basketball got shot to the moon when the only witness changed their story three times. Could you imagine convicting somebody in court when that happens? An admission that Harbaugh had lied likely would have led to him accepting a multiple-game suspension as he faces, uh, faces a potential Level 1 violation. The initial investigation into Michigan included four Level 2 recruiting violations, but the potential Level 1 was added, as ESPN previously reported, as part of a more serious charge for not cooperating with the NCAA enforcement staff. Doesn't history tell us that cooperating with the NCAA enforcement staff is actually a really bad idea? Yes. And so, Never cooperate. Pete Thamel writes, this presents an interesting standoff between Harbaugh and the NCAA, one that could potentially drag out for nearly a year per the typical NCAA enforcement and appeals timeline. For now, there appears to be little chance for a negotiated resolution. So Michigan, what Michigan will face... care about a year. What Nothing. No kidding. <laughs> I love this. Michigan, Michigan will be like, two years, what do we care? That leaves Michigan facing an infractions process counter to the program's preferred, quote, Michigan man, close quote, image of integrity. Those people <laughs> are those who stay. Yeah, can I read that one? Those read who that stay one more will time? be cheaters. I, I got to read that sentence one more time. Harbaugh says he doesn't recall the incident in question. The NCAA is insisting he lied. That leaves Michigan facing an infractions process counter to the program's preferred Michigan man image of integrity. Whenever I hear somebody say, I do not recall, I just picture the Wolf of Wall Street and Chester Bean just pounding donuts at the table. I do not recall that. I do not recall that. Just That's all I ever think about. I'm surprised you recall that scene from the movie. I thought you were stuck on another scene in that movie. There's a few scenes in that movie worth getting stuck on, but yes, that that's one that I can remember. Uh... <laughs> you think Michigan will ever admit that Bo Beckler cheated also? Or do we think that he actually did? No. I never won anything either. Yeah, what are they going to take away? Mm. Strip his championships. And so, Bo Schembechler is one of those things that, like, when we were kids, Richard, and maybe I'm a little older, but, like, Bo Schembechler was like this giant of college football. You're like, oh my gosh, Bo Schembechler. And then you find out he never won a national title. You're like, what? The way they talk about this guy, I thought he had like six. Yeah. It like, did he have a losing record against his rival too? I mean, just probably. I have to go back and look. Yeah, it's probably it's close. For some reason, so you can't say your rival out there in in, in text line land. What college football program annoys you the most? Michigan might be my mm. answer. The program, without, not the without fans. Without being your rival, without it can't it being be the, the rival. rival. Yeah, yeah. Michigan's a good choice. Um. Just trying to think, like, who, who is My earliest Michigan memories are of Gary Moeller. I don't really remember Bo Schembechler. 
Yeah, see, I do. I do remember. I got the I got the end of his tenure. Interesting, Bo Schembechler anecdote. Hmm? I was doing a tour of ESPN's headquarters in Bristol, and was in a control mm-hmm. room when the news came into ESPN that Bo Schembechler had died, and they went into like scramble mode. Oh. Wow. Two hours later, when I got back to the hotel, it was like wall-to-wall Bo Schembechler coverage. It's like, where? Yeah. hold on, where did Bob Lee come from? Just all of a sudden, Bob Lee's here, and he's like sitting there, and he's just ready to go. Just That's an interesting case go. study into how they, those organizations handle breaking news like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it was, I don't know. I, I guess I'll always remember that. I think Richard's answer is Penn State, by the way. Penn State's a good one. Penn State... Penn State, their fans are so sanctimonious. Yeah, maybe asking the same question in a different way would be, what team that is not your team's primary or secondary rival do you most enjoy watching lose? Ooh, that's a good one. I like watching Notre Dame lose. Protestants. I like watching Texas lose. Texas losing brings me joy every fall. I don't know, man. Texas A&M losing I don't know. funny. Uh, well, that's what I'm about to say. Like, I don't know if where we count Texas A&M amongst rivals, but these past couple of years watching A&M flounder has just what if we been just say, what if we just, just say great outside television. The outside the SEC. Outside the SEC? I've enjoyed watching Clemson you know, kind of starting to, to topple these past couple of years. I know Borky does. Borky yes. shouldn't count that one either. No, I shouldn't. Uh, Very biased. I've yeah, never no really reason. liked Flor- I never really liked Florida State. I just, for some reason, I never really guy? liked Florida State. Did you have I was a U guy. Jacket? Yes. I, I didn't have the U starter jacket. No, no, no. All my, when I was a kid, it was all maroon and white. But, like, I, I enjoyed watching Miami, and I enjoyed watching them beat Florida State every year. I got a kick out of that. Dead gummit, wide right. You know, I, just, I always got a kick out of that. There's really no reason for me to get the joy that I get out of watching Penn State lose. You're You're right. Yeah, but you did. Because you hate Franklin. You hate James Franklin. I'm using the word hate here about James Franklin. Well, you know. Hmm. They're playing the Pac 12. That I just, like, can't. uh, No. I don't have anybody in the Pac 12 that I, like, delight in watching them lose, I don't think. Yeah. Nobody really. I I, I don't. In the new Big 12? Eh, not really. I'm going to make a prediction that once the dust settles and Texas and Oklahoma make the move to the SEC, that most SEC fans are going to get more joy out of watching Oklahoma lose than watching Texas lose. Really? Why Why do you think so? Texas has been losing. Texas has been losing. Oklahoma, until this year, has been high up there. So knocking them off the perch will be fun. I think there is a low-key superiority among Oklahoma fans that we don't really exist. It happens on a national level with Texas, and so everybody kind of knows it's there. I think there's Mm -hmm. very much a superiority complex that's built in with Oklahoma that is going to be far it's, more off-putting than anybody realizes. It's going to be a real joy that first trip to Oxford or Starkville or or, or, or Lexington, one of the, the the mid-tiers, 
where Oklahoma loses. That's going to be a fun game. I would like to be at that game. <laughs> and it might happen more than once. Yeah. Even in that first I, year or two. The 2024 schedule reveal, if that's what happens, I can't wait. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you You on this Thursday afternoon. Boys, I got six minutes left in my work week. Boom! That means that Michael Borky and Brian Haydad will be with you tomorrow and we'll have a uh, large time with me being gone, right? Usually how it goes. Yeah. That's, that's how it works, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you kind of came back to your, you. You looked sad at first, Haydad, when I told you that I wasn't going to be here tomorrow and then you, like, oh, yeah, yeah we'll have fun without you. Which is. It's more just like, you know, why don't you brag a little more, you know? Hmm. I'm just excited. Gonna yeah. uh gonna celebrate Mama Jane's birthday this weekend. Hey. Coming up on uh coming up on Tuesday. So uh it'll be fun. Looking forward to that. Twenty nine years old again. That is right. That is right. Uh a little more beautiful every day. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. You want to jump on uh, your last chance to do so this afternoon on the ceasefire text line. It's at uh, 601-879-4395. There are a couple of people that uh, jumped in on the Oklahoma thing. Oklahoma fans are the worst I've ever been around. And that was the 1999 Independence Bowl. Hey, you're holding on to a grudge for a long time. (laughs) In a game that you won, too. Right? Bad is bad. Beat Bob Stoops. Beat Josh Heupel. They didn't lose Won again. The national after title that. next year. I was going to say they, yeah. they they ripped off an undefeated season right after that, didn't they? With all due, I don't mean to body shame or anything, but that's kind of what I'm going to do. I still can't believe looking at Josh Heupel that he was a objectively good college football player, quarterback, and, and was more athletic. Thought you were about to talk about me, Jason White. Who followed him a few years later? Yeah, it's it's yeah. hard to look at him and see that guy was a SEC quarterback. Well, soon to be SEC. Won quarterback. a national title. Yeah, hard hard to wrap your mind around that. Sports yeah. talk brought to you in part by M Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Just a couple of weeks away from the spring season getting started, you've got baseball the second weekend in February. First UTSA baseball tournament February tenth through the twelfth. Then it's fast pitch on the on uh, Saturday the 18th, and then another baseball tournament the last weekend in February 
the 24th through the 26th. If you're involved in scheduling your team or your kids' teams' uh, uh, games, tournaments, then uh, be sure to check out the full schedule of events online at mtradepark.com. Just click on the Schedule tab. If you're going to play, play mtrade. I don't know that any of the results last night in college basketball really stood out. Auburn went to LSU and won convincingly. Texas A&M defended the home floor. See, A&M was a two-and-a-half-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite, and they won by two. Arkansas, or Missouri was a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and they won by three. It's almost like the guys that set the lines kind of know what they're doing. Did you realize that Arkansas is one in five in the SEC? It's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, right for for it's all weird. of the talk about Ole Miss and what they've been, Ole Miss and Arkansas have the same conference record and play each other at eleven a.m. on Saturday morning in Fayetteville. Now the difference is kind of the net and where these two are right now. Arkansas certainly moving in the wrong direction, but they're still at 27. Despite being 12 and 6 overall and 1 and 5 in conference play, they are 27 in the net. Yeah. But at some points, you got to win some games, too. They didn't lose to North Alabama, which I assume helps keep them up. Uh, up there, but yeah, I mean it's it's a must win for them Saturday, right? Because at some point your net will stop mattering if your conference record is so bad, and if you keep losing games, I mean lose to Ole Miss at home and tell me what your net becomes after Saturday. They have to win that game. Well, there's to. a lot of talk going into this year about how invested Arkansas was in this team and in basketball and NIL money flow, flowing toward basketball and whatever. There there will be a level of discontent among Arkansas fans if. This season continues to spiral. Oh well, darn! Hey, Dad, hey Dad, where is, to see it. Where is Arkansas on your radar of teams that you get joy from watching lose? In Not various really up that sports. high. What about I, baseball? I've, I've never had a huge baseball. It's kind of funny when they when they invariably <laughs> choke. Now, last year I was rooting for them, but you know. Mm. Yeah, but that sausage sitting on, on your couch, for it, silent, it? sitting on the, your couch, silently, just like, please, Arkansas, just get some runs. Hey, thanks for being the with us. Sausage was good, though. Always good to be with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great Thursday night, big weekend just around the corner for Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services. Dot com. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.